0: How we doing, friends? We good? Good. Good to see you, Parkview. I'm glad you're here. Um, we're just, they're going to bring my t- Go ahead and bring that on out here if you want to bring the table on out. And this is not awkward at all. Um, you don't usually see this, but this is actually our incredible stage team. Can we say a huge thanks to our team around all the campuses? <laughs> oh man, what a good weekend. I'm so glad that you're here. I know it may be a little soggy in Chicagoland this weekend, but I'm glad you're around. Uh, welcome to everybody in uh, New Lenox, everybody in Homer Glen, everybody around Orlando. We're live on Facebook uh, during this service, so if you're watching uh, on your own or with a group, just welcome to you. Uh, we're in this series called Should Happens, and it's been really fun. Over the course of the last few weeks, there's kind of a buzz about this, moving from a should life to a good life. And it's been fun. Thanks for uh, diving into that and posting on different places on social media. And we've also been able to feed a ton, a ton of kids. And, and if you're just jumping in here, realize that the books you see around campus, we're leveraging those book sales to feed kids. And uh, we, we, we've fed we sent thousands and thousands and thousands of meals. So is that pretty cool? Um, with just book sales. So. <clears throat> Um, we'll probably run out this weekend. We have a few hundred left on all uh, the three campuses. So if you're thinking about getting one, this may be your weekend. And uh, we'll, just, we'll meet our goal and feed all these kids. So really, really, really cool. Thanks for jumping in and being a part of this adventure. Uh, so to get us all uh, thinking about where we're going to head today in our study, let me ask you uh, this. Have you ever run out of gas, like in your car? You're, you're, you're driving along and everything looks fine, you got maybe a half a tank, and then all of a sudden you look down and it's kind of on empty and you have no idea what, what happened or what's going on. A few years ago, I was driving around Phoenix, Arizona, uh, where we were living at the time, and I was driving around in this uh, It's my 1961 VW camper bus. That's my mobile office. It's literally what I office out of. And I was cruising to a meeting, and I looked down at my gas gauge, and I'm about half full, so it's like no problem. And then, no kidding, honest truth, like two minutes later, I look down again, and it's resting on E. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, what's going on? And and I don't know if you do this, but I began to argue with the gas gauge. You know, like I know better than it does. I'm not possibly out of gas. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to be fine. You know, I begin to pray and I begin to really just believe, and I started, you know, kind of trying to pray the gas gauge up. You ever you ever been there? But what happened is this: it actually over the next few minutes started to go below E. Have you ever been below E? I'm like, isn't empty? Empty? Right? Can we get below empty? Can we get less empty than empty? Evidently, you can get empty empty. Okay? And uh, you know this, but the truth is you can't drive on empty in your car for very long. And you'll pay for that. And uh, I did. And I'll finish that story at the end of our study uh, today. But let me make this uh, question just more personal to you and ask, have you ever run out of gas? Not in your car, but like in life. Have you ever found yourself in one of those seasons of life where you're, you're doing so many things and you're caring for so many people? You're, you're carrying so many people's burdens that you just kind of feel like, man, I'm, I'm out of gas. I'm, I'm about done. I'm doing so many things for so many different people. And maybe even this weekend, where, where would you say you are with your energy levels and things like that on a weekend like this? If, if you look at this graphic here, Allow this to measure your heart. Allow it to measure your soul. Where would you be this weekend? When you say, Todd, I'm kind of in the green. I feel pretty filled up. I've had some good time with myself and, and others. I'm taking care of myself. I, I've got all kinds of energy, Todd. If, if you want to go do something, Todd, I'm good. I'm green. Let's go do it. Others of you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I really want to do anything this weekend. And maybe you're more in a little bit of the yellow and you've been doing a whole lot. And you're, you're not green and you're not red. But you're thinking to yourself, you know what, depending on what happens this week, And what people ask of me at work or home or kids or friends, I could go one way or the other, Todd. (laughs) I may go to some green or I may end up going red by the time this week is done. It just depends. Or maybe you're sitting here today thinking, Todd, the truth is I've been really busy the last few weeks. And I'm just trying to get to that next season, but I'm definitely on red right now in my life. Maybe this graphic right here describes you. You're kind of like, you know, I'm I'm just trying to hold it back. Have you ever been in one of those places where you're like, you say, hey, I promise, I promise, I just have one more week of this, and then I'm going to be good. One more week, and then I'm going to get to a place where I'm going to get green. But right now, I'm, I'm just holding things back on red. If you feel that way, have you ever thought about how you got there? Why do you feel sometimes like you're on E? Could it be the unrealistic expectations and shoulds of others? You see, we're in this series called Should Happens. And if you're just jumping in this weekend, here's what the shoulds really are. They're the expectations that we place on ourselves, on others, and on God. And over the course of the last few weeks, we've talked about how we should on ourselves. We have all of these different weights and pressures that we put on ourselves. And then we've looked at the Bible on how to get out from underneath some of those shoulds that we put on ourselves. Just last weekend, we talked about how we should on others. Most of us have secret job descriptions for other people in our lives. And then they don't live up to those job descriptions, and so we should on them. And we talked about last week how we can get through some of that. Next week, we're going to wrap up the series, next weekend, and we're going to talk about how we should on God. For all of us, there's seasons of our life where God doesn't really act like we think he, what, should. And so we should on God and say kind of that's it. So next weekend, don't miss next week. It's going to be fantastic as we wrap things up. But here's where we're headed this week, right in the middle of the series. We're talking about this, how others should on us how others have all of these things for us in our lives, and it can easily take us to empty in our lives. And so with, with, with that being said, let me ask us to think about uh, the Olympics. I don't know if you like the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, the Winter Olympics. I, I love the Olympics. And one of my favorite events in the Olympics is the Olympic diving. And, uh, you know, they get up on like that 10-meter platform. They're like 30 feet in the air. And they do all of these unbelievable things. They'll do you know, like a double, you know, backflip with a triple twist or a triple somersault with a triple twist. And, and and what you know when they're doing all of these different things, there's also a, a row of what? Of judges setting and, and evaluating them, right? And and ranking them and, and taking a look, and and these people who are doing these dives have to do exactly what these judges want them to do on these dives. And a lot of times when I think about that, I think about that's How, like, our lives get. Life gets like that, where people are ranking and evaluating and and judging us, putting shoulds on us. Uh, Maybe you had parents growing up, and and your parents were great, but they believed you should make straight A's through junior high and high school. And so you can still remember you would come home with your report card, and it's like your parents were standing there holding up a scorecard. You know, you should have done this, right? Kind of thing. Okay, or, or maybe you have grandparents, and your grandparents, fantastic, great people, but they also kind of had your life planned out for you since the day you were born. They, they knew exactly what you should be doing, they had it all lined out, and, and again, who cares if it's not what you felt like you should do, that they had some shoulds for you in your life. Or maybe you have a spouse that, that believes every time they come home uh, from work every evening, you know, that the house should be perfectly clean and picked up, and, and there should be this great gourmet meal ready every you know, evening when you get home, and, and those just some shoulds. And, and what you feel like you want to say to your spouse, you don't, you don't usually say anything like this, but what you want to say is, you know what? I know the house is not perfectly clean, but your children are still alive, okay? <laughs> So, you know, you're welcome. I've had some things going on today, okay? I can't just take all of the shoulds. Or or maybe you have a friend who's a great friend, but they're kind of, you know, every time they think you should be available to them whenever they ask or they text you, and if you don't text them back in like two minutes, you know, they think something's wrong. Like, I can't believe, you know, are we okay? Do we need to talk? Do we need to get together? And it's been like two minutes! And you love your friend. But your friend, to be honest is draining you with all of those things you should do. And it's taking you to empty in your life. Here's what happens to so many of us. We feel like we should say yes to the expectations and to the demands of other people. And what happens is the burdens in our life just become heavier and heavier and heavier. When we live in the shoulds of others, what can happen is this. We can start to get pretty frustrated with other people. well, they're telling me I should do this and I don't really have time to do that, And we can get frustrated with people pretty quick. We can get bitter towards other people in our lives when we start to live in all of their shoulds for us. And As it turns out, it looks like this if you're taking notes. When I'm obsessed with your yes, my life becomes a mess. When I'm obsessed with all of your yes and you should do this and you should do that and I'm just obsessed with all that, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about what you want. I'm not really living my life. What's happening is I'm living someone else's version of my life. You ever been there? I mean, don't don't raise your hand on this. Don't cheer. Okay, no cheering. Um, But have you ever felt like you're living someone else's version of your life because you're just trying to do everything they think you should do and that sort of thing? And, And when that happens, life can become a mess. But I want you to know there's another option. We don't have to live that way. When you're obsessed with God's yes, my life becomes blessed. Everybody say, blessed. When I'm obsessed with God's, what He thinks, and I don't just spend all kinds of time thinking about what you think and here's what you think I should do. When I spend some more time thinking about what God thinks of me and what God feels like I should do in my life, then what happens is I can begin to move to that life that I was meant to live. But here's the issue. Here's just where the rubber meets the road. Here's the issue for so many of us, myself included. We want to say yes. It feels good to say yes to other people. But the truth is, if you're going to move in this series over the course of this month, if you've really been wrestling with the things we're talking about, and if you really want to truly move from a should life to a good life, I'm telling you, here's what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to learn to say no sometimes to the expectations, to the demands, to the shoulds. Of other people. And I know that that may sound a a bit uncaring, and you're thinking, Todd, well, I just don't know if I want to say no. That's kind of uncaring. Or you may be even thinking, Todd, well, that's that's just like unchristian. Okay, hello, we're at church, and that's very unchristian to say no to people. No, listen, listen. Did you know, did you know that even Jesus said no to people? A lot, actually. Now, Now, to be clear, Jesus was the most compassionate person who has ever walked on this planet. So so at certain times, he definitely said yes to people and wanted to serve people. But when the request was wrong, when somebody was trying to impose their timeline on him or somebody was trying to impose their demands on Jesus, Jesus was very comfortable saying no, even to some good things, some good things. Jesus said, no, I can't do that, even though you feel like I should. Over the course of the last three or four weeks I've just been studying different places in the Bible where Jesus said no to people and trying to learn this you know for my life and for our lives and I've been actually studying this with our campus pastors from all around our campuses in Chicagoland how many of you know we have some phenomenal campus pastors around our campuses in Chicagoland isn't that awesome around Parkview They're so good. They're so good. And so here's what we're going to do for this next section of our study today. I've been studying this with them, and I'm going to ask on all of our campuses, all three campuses, for our campus pastors to come out. And for the next bit of this study today, they're going to help us dive into the Bible, and we're going to look at three different places where Jesus said no. Places he said no to other people and the things they thought he should be doing. And then I'm going to come back out and talk about those things that Jesus said and how we can apply those to our lives as we wrap up today. So this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, On all of our campuses right now, Orland, uh, New Lenox, Homer Glen, will you give a huge Parkview welcome to our campus pastors. Welcome them up. Come on now. Come on.
1: Nice. Thanks, Todd. Can we just do that again? It feels awesome. Um, Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, What Todd is actually saying is that um, he was shooting on me for the last three weeks as we prepare for this message. Uh, But it's been really fun uh, to have Todd around. Isn't he just awesome? I'm so grateful to have him. Yeah. We love Todd. Uh, But like he said, what I want to do is show you three Scenarios that Jesus found himself in during his life and ministry in which he had to say no. He said yes a lot. Scenarios in which he had to say no to things that on the surface seemed really good, but Jesus knew best. And my prayer is that as we look at the model that Jesus left us, that we begin to take steps out of the should life into the good life. So here we go. Here's the first thing Jesus said no to. Jesus said no to his friends And if I'm honest, this can be probably the most difficult one of them all, saying no to a close friend. Here's a scenario Jesus found himself in. It's from Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, and these two are part of his inner circle, some of his closest friends and disciples. Uh, Let's go back. Thanks. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) Anybody else have a two-year-old at home? What do you want me to do for you? He asked. In other words, how about you tell me what I'm committing to before I actually commit to it, right? They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Just to give you a little bit of context here, uh, James and John understood Jesus to be king they had an expectation for what king was except their expectation for king and jesus's expectation for king were very different to james and john jesus was gaining a following around him so that one day by way of military militia he would take over in the name of god so when james and john ask him can we sit at your left and your right hand what they're asking is jesus when you come into power Can we be like second and third in command with you being number one, of course? Have you ever had a James and John in your life? Maybe not this extreme, but have you ever had somebody use their relationship with you to get something that they never would have had had they not had a relationship with you? You ever had a friend in your life use their friendship with you to get what they want? And I'm even talking about those asking for a friend kinds of friends. Like, hey, just asking for a friend, if you have extra Cubs tickets or something. And I was gonna make a Cubs joke, but I recognize it's very tense right now, so I'm having compassion on you, Cubs fans. But a lot of us have those friends in our life whose expectations are that our expectations are the same as theirs. But Jesus shows us that we can say no to those friends. Here's how he did it. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to James and John. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? In other words, can you go through what I'm going through? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. In other words, no. Your expectations don't have to be mine, and they don't have to be God's. Jesus said no to his friends, even when it was difficult to do. Second thing Jesus said no to, peer pressure and promotions. Uh, There's a a story that every author who recorded Jesus' life included in their gospel, so you know it's important. And it's a story of Jesus traveling for miles outside of town to a hillside where he was going to preach, And the authors say that over 5,000 people traveled out to hear him speak. And if you've heard this story before, you know where I'm going. And Jesus looks out on the hillside and he recognizes after his sermon was over that there wasn't enough food for dinner for 5,000 plus people. And so he found a boy with some bread and some fish and he turned that bread and fish into enough food to feed 5,000 people. It was just an incredible miracle. Here's what happened after he did that miracle. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, They exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, here's the part I don't want you to miss, he slipped away into the hills by himself. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. And if you know anything about Jewish history, You know that these people had been longing and praying and waiting for God to show up in their lives, and there he was in the flesh. So of course, they're going to say, let's put him in charge, let's make him king. Except Jesus slipped away. He said no to something really cool, like being king. You ever been offered something really cool that you just couldn't say no to, even though you knew it wasn't the best thing? Maybe a promotion at work? Maybe your boss said, hey, we're going to pay you more, but you're going to be gone for two-thirds out of the year, away from your family. Maybe you're going through that right now. Maybe a coach saw potential in your son or daughter, and he said, look, you really should sign them up for my ultra, ultra competitive travel, 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 travel baseball league. You know what I'm saying, though, right? The world around us put these, puts these opportunities in front of us for status And money, and they seem really good at first. Opportunities for our kids to learn and to grow. And how many of you know that opportunity does not always equal obligation? And so I go back to the Jesus story that I shared with you just now, and I realize that these people wanted to make Jesus king. But the funny thing is, he was already king. He didn't come to earth to be made king. He came to earth to be a crucified Savior for the world. Amen? And that means that he knew why he was here. And he was so confident in why he was here that he was able to say no to something like being king. And I'm going to be honest, that sounds really fun to me, being king. That's the second thing Jesus said no to. Third thing Jesus said no to. Jesus said no to helping every single person. He helped a lot of people, but he didn't help everyone. And we all have those people in our lives, right? You know those people who are always helping everyone? They're always making soup when you're sick, writing really encouraging notes. They never miss your birthday or anniversary. They visit all of their friends in the hospital. I hate those people too. (laughs) I hate them. Just kidding. I don't hate them. I'm just jealous that I can't live up to their level, right? And fortunately, Jesus, Jesus shows us that we are not called to help every single person at the expense of our own souls. So I want to I show you one more scenario in which Jesus found himself, and it's at the very beginning of his life in ministry, the very first chapter of Mark. Here it is. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. He didn't want people to know who he was yet. Before daybreak, listen, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. If you're anything like me, this is a little bit mind-boggling to you. Because... Every Jesus story that I've ever heard, every painting of Jesus I've seen depicted involves Jesus with crowds, right? Preaching to crowds, being surrounded by crowds of people who need his healing or eating dinner with people. And so when I hear this story of Jesus surrounded by people who could really use his compassion and power and going away to be by himself to pray, it's a little bit shocking to me. My guess is My guess is that some of you in this room know exactly what Jesus was going through in that moment because you've been helping a lot. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a sick spouse, an aging parent. I don't know what you've got going on, but you've been helping a lot, and they're asking you to do something good, but the truth is that you haven't had much time to work on yourself. You haven't had much time to connect And be refreshed by connecting with the Father. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I'm exhausted. But they're asking me to do something good, so I can't say no. Right? Jesus didn't think so. You saw in the story that we just read. Jesus was the most compassionate person who ever lived. And in the middle of being surrounded by all of these people who he wanted the best for, surrounded by all of these people who needed his healing and his compassion and power, Jesus went off by himself to pray, to connect with God, and to work on his own soul. Jesus knew that the very first step toward failure is thinking you got to please everyone. And so the reality is that the longer and the more we pour ourselves out for other people, And we don't work on ourselves and our relationship with God, the less we have capacity to help other people and to help ourselves. That's just the truth. And so this stuff's important. I think we got to get this. And uh, Pastor Todd's going to come out, and he's going to talk a little bit more about this idea, and, and he's going to answer the how and the why behind Jesus's ability to say no to things that you and I would probably have a lot of difficulty saying no to. Here's Pastor Todd.
0: Isn't that so great? Can we one more time, Jason, Richie, Nathan, around all of our campuses? Man, way to go. Way to go, guys. It's so cool to be able to spend time with them and study with them and just grow, you know, up and build up more preachers and leaders and communicators around here in Parkview and and Chicagoland. Way to go. Way to go. Uh, So what we're learning is, is that Jesus, uh, this incredibly servant-minded, compassionate person... Uh, the most that's ever walked this earth still said no uh, a lot of times in his life to his friends, to promotions, to different peer pressures in his life, and also to just helping every single person because he knew that wasn't going to be possible. It wasn't sustainable in his life to do that. And, and what I think we can take from Jesus' life into our life for, for you and I is that even good, loving, generous compassionate people can and should say no sometimes to other things and to other people. Now I want to get as practical as I possibly can with us today because I know that saying no is not easy. It's not easy to say no. And, and so how do you say no to like a friend who wants you to do something? Even if it's something good, how do you say no without messing up the friendship? Or how do you say no to your boss at work with some kind of promotion or something like that without ever, you know, being asked again and being skipped over? Here's something that I've learned to say to people. I'm going to show you exactly what I say because there's lots of times in my life where people have good shoulds for me. Todd, you should go there. You should do this. You should join us there. You should do that. And and it's like, what do you say without, you know, just saying no and closing the door forever here's literally what I say uh, to people almost every week I'm not saying never I'm just saying not now I'm not saying never Todd you should do this or you should do that or you should be there or you should go there and, and I say okay that, that's probably good and here, here's the thing I'm not saying never I'm just saying not now I'm just saying I can't do that right now And so what I'm saying is, is that there's nothing necessarily wrong with their request. There's nothing necessarily wrong with the should that they want you to do. The problem is, it's not good timing in my life. It's a good should, but it's not good timing in my life. So I have to say no for now. Not forever. Just no for now. And what I've come to realize is this. If you never say no to people and try and care for everything you'll soon realize that you do not have the capacity to care for anything. It's true. Good people, loving people in our lives will should you to death. They will have all kinds of good things. You should do this, and you should do that, and you should be there. And and, and it's well-meaning, but they they will put so many shoulds on you, and here's what you will begin to experience. I promise you'll begin to feel this in your life. Compassion fatigue. Maybe you've been there. It's a real thing. It's the emotional stress or the apathy resulting from the constant demands of caring for others. I've felt this in so many seasons of my life because I, I don't like to say no to people, to things, to opportunities, and that sort of thing. And what happened several times, many times actually in my life, is that in my efforts to care for everyone and everything, I soon found myself not able to care for anyone or anything. And it, it's so easy for that to happen. It's not that I didn't care about something, it's that I just couldn't care. I didn't have capacity To give any care to it, maybe you've been there. You know, you're you're thinking, man, I really should care more about work, but I just, I, I I just, I'm numb. I can't care about work right now. Or or you come home in the evening and you think, you know what, I I should care more about my family. I should care more about my marriage. I know I should care more about my kids. I should have more energy for my kids, but I have no care left. I, I don't have anything else to give. (laughs) I just kind of feel numb. And maybe you've been there. Here's what I've learned in 10 years of writing about and wrestling with these shoulds. I've learned that that even the good shoulds, the good shoulds of others, here's what will happen. They will take you to empty really quick. There's just not time for you and I to do all of the good shoulds that other people have for you and I in our lives. And here's what you must do. You must steward your compassion. This sounds crazy, especially if you've never thought about something like this. This is going to sound just like completely out of bounds potentially to you. Steward your compassion. Uh, like, we know we have to do this with our money. We have to be good stewards of our money. We talk about that because we don't have tons of money, right? We only have limited amounts of money, so you have to steward it. You have to be really careful with it. When it comes to our energy, we have to be good stewards of our energy because I don't have boundless amounts of energy. No, I can't do that. You know, when, when it when it comes to just our time, I don't have unlimited amounts of time, so you have to be really, really careful with your time. But when you think about being a steward and being really careful with your compassion and really careful with what you care about, it just sounds crazy, It doesn't sound right, but what we learned just a few minutes ago from our campus pastors is that even Jesus did not have unlimited capacity to care. Even Jesus at times had to say no to others so he could care for himself. And just like Jesus, we need to be willing and able at times to say no to the shoulds, even the good shoulds that other people have for us in our lives. And I promise, I promise, if you want to make that move from that should life and all the weight and pressure to that good life, you're going to have to be okay from time to time with saying no. I'm not saying no never. I'm just saying no not now. It's not the right time in my life. And be okay with that. Remember where we started our study today? I was out of gas, basically, in the van. Remember that? Let me finish this whole thing up here. Uh, so I was praying like crazy. I was going to a meeting with somebody for the church, right? And I feel like I'm running out of gas. So I'm going, I didn't, I'm praying to God. I'm believing that he won't let me run out of gas because, I mean, I'm going somewhere for him, Right? I'm doing his work. He surely is not going to let me, this happen to me. So I'm praying, I'm believing. But what happened is I just, I, I, I completely run out of gas. Just a little ways from the meeting, right on the side of the road in Phoenix, Arizona. It's like 107 degrees outside. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to push this or what. And so here's what happened. Here's what I realized. You know what? When, when my tank was empty... My tank was empty. It it really was. It was empty. And it wasn't that God was upset with me. It wasn't that God was trying to teach me a lesson. It wasn't that God was trying to punish me. It's just that my tank was empty. It wasn't him trying to do any of those things. It's just that I needed to put more gas in my car. That was my issue. And I think a lot of times in our lives it's the same. We are out of gas in our lives. And God's not upset with you, God's not mad at you, God's not... He's just saying, hey, listen, you need to spend some time caring for yourself so that you can again begin to care for others. And that's okay. Sometimes you need to fill your tank. I want to read here to wrap things up from the last part of chapter 25 in the book Should Happens. This this is where uh, Tom uh, should, he's the main character of the book, Tom should... He's talking with his mentor, Hank, and he's kind of getting his mind around these shoulds that we're talking about this weekend. Here's what he says. Like Jesus, we can say no. Does this make sense, asked Hank. It does, said Tom soberly. I need to be careful about saying yes to every good thing so I can save energy and have energy on reserve to say yes to the best things. I think we're getting somewhere, Hank pronounced. Yes, this wisdom is filling my tank, said Tom, and they both agreed to talk again next week. Tom remembered how he felt when he had first started letting go of his shoulds, and he wondered if he could feel that way again. You see, what Tom begins to realize here in chapter 25, and many of us have realized in in our lives, is that even the good shoulds of other people can take us to Empty, fast. And they may be good things, but we can't do them all. And sometimes we have to say, be willing to say no to the good things, so we can say yes to the best things in our lives. Realizing that that opportunity doesn't equal obligation for us all the time. And that's how we can move from all those shoulds and the should life to the good life amen amen Amen. all right let's pray together God thanks for today thanks for time to come together and sing and study and point our hearts towards you and God I know that you know you look down on our lives and you're not surprised there's a lot of pressures there's a lot of things that we want to do and other people think we should do and God, a lot of those things that others want us to do a lot of those shoulds are really good they're good things And God, we really need your wisdom because we know we can't do them all. God, help us to understand what we should say yes to and what we should say no, not now to. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who also had to say no sometimes to the shoulds of others. Thank you that we have somebody to model after and learn from. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Amen.